Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode. Our verse of the day comes from Hebrews 10, 29. How much more servingly, uh, as, as severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sat and sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Hebrews 10, 29. Sorry, I struggled to get through that verse. You know, I've made a commitment every time I talk to the LDS missionaries to make an episode immediately after to give you my thoughts on the conversation. And you know what? They were very nice, kind people. We always have to give them that. It's something Christians should model after. Because sometimes we forget the love, the um, the faithfulness, all, paying attention to the principles of the Bible. We, we forget these things a lot. But with all that said, it's time for me to get mean. <laughs> we we have to critically uh, discuss what they have just said. I told I've told y'all numerous times that the oldest missionaries and the oldest church in general frame their their questions, their arguments, their ideas in such a brilliant way to where it can con any sane-minded individual into believing their religion. And sometimes if you're trying to avoid conflict like me when having discussions because you want to get something out of the discussion, it is very hard um, hard to avoid these questions. They frame these questions in such a way to where it is hard to do this. It's hard not to create conflict. And that is a real issue here. Because how do you make your point respectively and show that this religion, this book, is a heaping pile of bullcrap without causing any conflict, per se? With, without losing their attention because you're somehow a Mormon hater and criticizing their religion. But sometimes we have to be more blunt, and it may be necessary right now. Why is it that Christians are losing this battle against the LDS Church? We have a much stronger case historically in terms of evidence. Uh, the Catholic Church, for example, has more money, more wealth, more opportunities. It's more worldwide established. You have more scientists, more respective people in the fields of the world. I mean, we should really be winning this battle right now in terms of winning souls to Christ Jesus. But yet and still, we don't. All you have to do is on an individual basis, the 70% of Americans that claim to be Christian, all you have to do is teach every one of those Christians, the 30% that go to church, how to defend the faith, how to share the faith, how to spread this faith, how to plant seeds to grow, to grow the church. But yet we don't do that. The individual members, for the most part, do not do the research for themselves. They walk out blindly. They say, yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't live the Christian lifestyle. Yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe the doctrines of Christianity. Yes, I'm a Christian. But I don't even read the Bible to which I claim belief in. 
How are you going to believe in something that you've never read before? How are you going to believe in something when you don't even know its own doctrines? How are you going to believe in something and not even attempt to live the life that its leader, its founder lived? It seems hypocritical because it is. It seems idiotic because it is. But yet, every single day, we are losing hundreds, maybe thousands of people to Mormonism for the one reason that its members, its church, knows what the hell it's doing. What it's doing is it creates a perfect system, and this is why I consider it a cult, a perfect system of keeping itself within its own borders, sending out thousands and thousands of missionaries every year to different places in the country and in the world, not allowing those missionaries to experience anything outside of the church, but going into other people's homes, knocking on doors, and some people letting them in or doing Zoom calls, having text messages, having chats on their platforms, discussing their beliefs, and once uh, someone like me gives them another source to look at, oh, they can't look at that. The church said no, 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 no. It's a genius strategy. I'm not saying Christians should adopt it, but where is our work ethic? You hear Christians complain about young people not um, that are leaving the church in droves. Well, why wouldn't they? The church has put no work into them. They have done absolutely nothing for the young people in our church. They are so stubborn in their traditions. They are so stubborn in their ways. They are so stubborn with their understanding of the Bible that they leave no room for any other thoughts, any other ideas, any other perspectives. So why on earth would the young people stay in there? In fact, why would they stay in there if they don't know what the heck they believe. That is illogically dishonest with yourself if you were to stay in a church like that. And this is the vast majority of churches within this nation. We continually fail. The best church I've seen when it comes to apologetics is one that I go to now. And even then, it is short by far. We watch these videos every Wednesday night, at least before the pandemic began. That it basically, they're about 10 to 20 minutes long. They basically explain the topic of the night. And there was one topic that we went over for the pet for a few weeks. That can science and God be together? And they briefly mentioned historical evidence for Jesus. They said, well, there's other sources such as Josephus. And then blah, 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 blah. Moved on with their Christianity. Now, hold up, that's a step in the right direction, but if they don't even know who Josephus is, if they don't even know what the quote is, they don't know how it relates to Christianity, then why would you expect that to have any influence? They're going to say, oh, well, Josephus wrote about Jesus. What quote? What what does that quote have to do with Jesus? Uh, What is the context of the quote? When was the quote written? There is endless questions to dissecting that quote. But yet we don't teach people that, so they look like a buffoon whenever they try and share this. You see how it works? This is what frustrates me. We never look in depth into things. We always look at the surface level. 
And it may work for the older generation, but it is not working for the millennial generation and my generation. We have absolutely BSed and failed. The tactics that we are using now do not work. I've said this so many times. They do not work. I did an episode, our parents have failed us. My mom got on to me, how did we fail you, Ethan? I never said you failed me. If you listen to the whole episode, you would know exactly what I am talking about. And yet, she did later, and then she attempted to understand it. The purpose of that was is to explain how the teaching tactics of our parents have not worked in any sort of way. When you li- when you raise your children in some sort of religious um a theocracy, then why would you expect them to stay in there? Humans, especially Americans, are rebellious in nature. So if they are staying in something that they don't like, the second they get out, why wouldn't they rebel? Why wouldn't they go have sex, do drugs, um, um, not go to church, not read the Bible, accept atheism, do this and that? Like, why wouldn't they? You've constrained them and held them back so much from living life experiences that will later teach them and let and later let them have a reckoning with uh, Yahweh. You prevent them from having a natural experience. And on top of that, you tell them to believe something because you said so. Not because there's evidence. Well, what evidence? Uh, You can look at Josephus, Tacitus, historical evidence. You can look at the law of cause and effect, etc. Not getting into it right now. Plenty of episodes on uh, stuff like that. Uh, You you don't get into that. You don't get into the doctrinal matters. You don't explain things to them that are in the Bible that today looks morally wrong, but when you put it in its proper context, you will understand why it is in there. I mean, these are simple things that every parent should teach their child, but most parents do not. And when their child questions, they shut them up. I mean, look at the LDS Church. They have the strategical and historical advantage to where they have a state like Utah where the population is 60 to 70% LDS to where they can hide their children in certain areas, less so nowadays, but still, in a bubble of same-minded people with the exception of one or two people in, in their classes to where they will never have these questions. They can live their entire lives without having these questions. Luckily, we have the internet today, we have YouTube and things like that, and we have a podcast called Common Sense Christianity that questions their very beliefs. But 20, 30 years ago, you could live in a bubble your whole life and not get any questions. Same things with Christians out in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, places like that, until you got out into the world and explored. But they have their own church state here in Utah. It's a very beautiful church state. I love Utah. But it is a church state. They have a brilliant system. You wonder why you 
rarely convince a Mormon to leave their church because they have been engraved so brilliantly for so long to where they cannot see any different. They cannot see any other worldview. But when Christians do it, you one and most of the nation have conflicting viewpoints. Number two, people will question those viewpoints. People aren't as nice and respectful as they are up here. And, I mean, there's really no reason. Why wouldn't you follow the common culture? Atheism is on the rise in the country, and Mormonism is getting a lot um, more popular than it was before. Because they have rebranded it. The LDS church is a business, by the way. No, no legitimate church brings in $8 billion a year in tithing alone. Legitimate church. The Catholic church falls under that illegitimate church category, too. Uh, we'll talk about the Pope in another episode because he's an absolute goofball. Uh, uh, that, that's off topic. The point is, is we have to start getting serious. We have to start getting strategic. Not in the same way as the LDS church is, but in a, we have to make a battle plan in a sense. Do we able to, you might say since we're five days from the election when I record this episode, make Christianity great again. I'm not endorsing anybody on the show, but it's getting the point across to you. This idea of being proud of your faith, you know, that's one thing I really commend the Mormons for. I mean, you could be here in Utah over, over the border in Colorado or in Nevada or anywhere, and every single Mormon you will meet if they're, at, if they're legitimate about their religion, will be extremely proud about their religion. Even though the majority of people that know anything about the LDS Church thinks they're cultish and crazy. But you take a Christian, the average Christian in this country, a country that claims 70% to be Christian, they are still embarrassed to talk about it. They're still embarrassed to say, yes, I believe Jesus died, I believe Jesus rose again, and I believe Jesus is coming back for me. You have people that are embarrassed by that. In fact, the majority of Christians. How pathetic is that? The freest, most prosperous, most powerful nation ever in history, we are embarrassed to talk about our faith when people in Iraq, when people in Iran, when people in China... When our fellow brothers and sisters all over the world will proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as a vast minority and will get persecuted for it, but yet we in our privileged lives are embarrassed by it. You understand how pathetic that is? We have failed. We have failed Christ Jesus himself. Because we aren't going to, from door to door knocking and saying, hey, I want to talk about my faith with you. If they slam the door on you, well, God's writing that down. <laughs> you just have to be open by from for it. You have to open up the opportunities. And I'm not saying necessarily go door to door. It's not something I do. I think God gives everyone their own special ability to preach and proclaim his word. Mine is podcasting. Mine is doing YouTube with Sean and Steve. Christian Anarchy Today. You can find it on the Heart of the Matter YouTube channel. Go check it out. Um, 
It may be that for you. It may be writing books for you. It may be going, just uh, just going into school and saying, hey, I just wanted to tell you that God loves you and you are beautiful and you are made in his image. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's handing out Bibles to people on the on the street corner. Maybe it's going and feeding the homeless. Maybe it's going and preaching in your church. I do not know what God's gift for you is, but by golly, use it. Use it to the best of your ability. Because if you do that, so many lives will be changed. They may deny it to you. They may say, I don't believe in that magic. But maybe they go home and they just hear a voice saying, I wait at the door and knock. Maybe they will have an experience down the line to where maybe life tragedy hits them. And maybe they're at the brink of suicide. And maybe they hear a voice of you saying, God loves you. You are made in your image. Everything will be all right. Maybe they'll remember that years from now. You never know. You never know. So take the action now. Take the action now to proclaim his name and you will see where it goes. God is the gardener. You will plant the seed and he will see to it that it gets watered eventually. Just trust in him. That is all I ask of you today, ladies and gentlemen. You know, there's a song in the Prince of Egypt, this childhood movie of mine. It's absolutely my favorite childhood movie. And it has so much meaning to it, even though it's just a children's song. And I'm trying to remember the lyrics now because it relates to what I just said. A single thread in the tapestry, though its color brightly shines, can never see its purpose in the pattern of the grand design. That has so much meaning. A stone that sits at the mountain uh, tops of the mountain's mighty face. Does it think it's more important than the stones that form the base? That's a, that's the lyrics to the very beginning of the song. And the whole point of it is, is when Moses in this movie was saying, there is nothing that I have done that is honorable. And then the priest, I've forgotten his name, forgive me, says to him, you saved my daughters. You did this. You did that. You don't know God's plan. You must look at your life through heaven's eyes is the title of the song. And maybe, actually, we definitely need to apply this to our lives today. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. If you look at it through heaven's eyes, through whatever your circumstances are, you will begin to notice that right now is this a single drop of paint in the entire painting. And at the end of your life, you can look back and see all these drops of paint and form a beautiful picture of your reality, a beautiful picture of your life. And you want to be able to look back and say, what did I do to glorify God? What did I do? Imagine I lived to 100 years old. Or you live in, lived to 100 years old. And I continue doing this podcast for the next 50 years. What will it have done for the people that I speak to? How many lives will be changed? I have an audience on this podcast of about 20 people. I am proud of those 20 people. It may not be a lot. It may not be Sean McCraney's 8,000 listeners. It may not be Dr. Frank Turk's hundreds of thousands of listeners. It may not be uh, Billy Graham's millions and millions of people that knew 
his preaching. But with those 20 people and the 15 to 30 people that will likely listen to this episode and that and the single digits amount of people that have made it 20 minutes into this episode, what will this have done to those people? What would me telling them that you do not know where your life will be 20 years from now, you will not know how the moment right now will affect you. What will that do? What will me saying there is someone that will always love you no matter the circumstance, no matter the heartache, there is someone that loves you out there. What will that do? And maybe I will never know what this podcast will do for some people. Maybe I will never know People I've met over the years, what me saying, sharing my faith has done. I will never know, most likely. But if I am blessed enough to make it to 100 years, and I look back at the grand painting that was my life, I want to be able to say, I did the best I could, and I am proud of it. And that will conclude our episode. Guys, this is the last episode before the election. I might release a special episode on Tuesday. Make sure you get out and vote November 4th. Uh, Your voice matters. And you know what? I'm very proud to be an American right now. Over 79 million people at the recording of this episode uh, Thursday afternoon have voted. Make your voice heard, whether it's for President Trump or Joe Biden, the Republicans or the Democrats. Make your voice heard. Have fun, guys. Do not stress over it because we ultimately know that Yahweh, Jehovah, God, is in control. So, guys, have a fun time with it. uh, And we will see you here Wednesday. This is Common Sense Christianity.